Hey y'all, I'm Jordan Gill, host of the System Samey podcast. More entrepreneurs are seeking freedom and flexibility, but how does that really happen? Systems, of course. I'm lifting the hood to my successful life first business, sharing strategies and thought-provoking prompts to how your business can accomplish the same for you. Let's get it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the System Samey podcast. You are entering the fourth episode of a six-episode series we are doing, all centered around why automated marketing strategies are not working anymore and what you should replace them with instead. So without further ado, let's get into this episode, which is how to get in front of new audiences and expand your reach. There are three common levels of audiences, and you've heard of all of these before. Cold audiences, which are people who've never heard of you or interacted with your marketing before. Warm audiences of people who know you, have experienced some of your content, they may be on your email list. And hot audiences, people who know you really well, probably have bought from you or are very close to buying from you. When it comes to getting in front of new audiences, people generally think of getting in front of cold audiences through Facebook ads, SEO, or organic social. But I'm here to tell you there's a fourth audience that's worth your while to pursue. And it's smack dab in between cold and warm. I call it the lukewarm audiences. Lukewarm audiences are those who feel more at ease and familiar with you because you have a mutual connection. And lukewarm audiences have less of the screenshotty scammers, especially if your future collaborators hold similar values to you. So what are some of these collaborations that you can do with lukewarm audiences? These could look like being a guest on someone's podcast, speaking virtually or in person, guest teaching in someone's group, swapping free resources to each other's lists, and so many more creative collabs not even listed. But anytime there's a mutual benefit for both sides, it's a collaboration. Collaborations allow you to skip the line of cold audiences and start at a warmer temperature, which leads you to building trust faster. And it helps you avoid the copycatters and funnel hackers that tend to lurk in those frigid, cold audiences. But you may be wondering, how is the person with the platform benefiting from someone guest speaking or uh, speaking on their stages? There are three reasons that someone with a platform, whether it be a podcast, stage, or community, would want to collab with you. The first one is you make them look good. And this is very bizarre to share. However, it's true. If you're somebody that provides so much value or so many insights, it makes them really look good by association. Number two, you are an equal in terms of risk and reward. This is a strange one to explain, but I'm going to try and do my best. This means that you have put in similar blood, sweat, and tears, and therefore may understand each other uh, better than others. Most folks kind of get upset here if they don't have the same audience size or same whatever size as the person they want to collaborate with, which I totally think is valid. But again, if someone is requiring you to have a certain audience size to collab, I'd honestly just bounce. It's not worth it. However, I do want to address something. People who have a platform do want to see that you are skilled at talking to your own audience. And most folks don't, you know, want you experimenting on their communities that they've worked so hard to build and nurture. So whether you get three likes on your post or whatnot, it's it's irrelevant. They want to just be able to see you show up for your audience, no matter how big or small, to transfer that confidence into their platform and their audience. And the third thing is that the, you fill a gap in your audience's needs that they do not fill. This is where the size of your audience really doesn't matter. You have the expertise and they don't. End of story. So 
you don't have to avoid big audience opportunities because you don't have the same audience or list size. Imagine that. Getting on the big platforms isn't the only way to expand your reach and authority. You can actually gain loads of highly qualified and engaged prospects through peer-to-peer relationships. And here's the key change. Instead of looking for the top dogs of your industry or niche to collab with, you start with a completely different question. Who are those around you at a level below or above who also share similar values to yourself? Once we know that, we've got the rest in the bag. And still to this day, peer-to-peer relationships have been way more fruitful than the big audiences, not just for me, but for even my friends and colleagues too. A friend of mine spoke at a big thousand person conference, plus an 80 million download podcast. And neither of those got her the amount of leads her smaller peer-to-peer collaborations have gotten her. So as it turns out, the secret to getting in front of new right fit audiences isn't to find the big stages and podcasts. When you look around, you'll find a gold mine of incredible peer-to-peer folks. This will cause you to go, and if you don't, it'll cause you to go into marketing burnout and not get the results you are looking for. But when you create reciprocal relationship marketing campaigns, you create an unfair advantage that's not replicable by many others. So let me show you what I mean by sharing a, a recent collab invitation that was an absolute yes to me. I was approached by my friend Ellen Yin about doing a collab centered around my event. She started off by sharing that she had this kind of kooky idea, but if anyone would say yes, it would be me. So she immediately had my attention. She goes on to share how she believes in the mission of Make Your Mark Live uh, event, which is my event coming up in September, and how she came up with some cool ways to bring value to my audience. This lets me know she understands what my goals and values are. She then proceeds to offer a media sponsorship where all of our attendees at Make Your Mark have the opportunity to be featured on her platform from our event. This was brilliant. As Ellen Yen has a major 1% podcast, as well as a highly trafficked website and blog. So it was an immediate yes. She adequately pitched that she knew how to provide value to my audience who are looking to make a mark. This entire collab strategy starts with you knowing how to build a win-win opportunity for both you and caring deeply about what they care about. This gives you a leg up on others who are trying to do the same thing because you're not on a mission to be entitled and pushy like most pitches come across. And we always are encouraging there to be dialogue and conversation with you and the person before a pitch or invitation is even sent. But that can be tough when you aren't in the same communities or rooms as some of these people. Um, I do it all the time in the DMs. But this isn't like Facebook ads where you target cold audiences or hire a PR person who's sending you cold pitches via email. But I'm just, I'm going to shoot you straight. Doing collabs wrong is literally the biggest time waster. In the past month, I've talked to many business owners who have applied to so many speaking opportunities and filled out tons of guest podcasting forums and yet only getting maybe one collab a month. And actually that's what led, that's what led me to create Ready Set Collab Network in the first place. Because the fact that so many smart, kind online experts haven't been able to crack the code on securing more fruitful co- collabs consistently is just odd when you think about it with how many communities that people are in. So instead of copy pasting your elevator pitch to free Facebook group threads, messaging people in your mastermind, or just pitching folks in your DMs, there is a better way. Imagine being able to be part of a network where every single person there has raised their hand and has a green light for collabs. No guessing. And I get it. It's still a little scary to ask for the collab. Rejection isn't great. But which sounds more likely 
to work in your favor. Scouring the World Wide Web in hopes of not only finding collab opportunities, but also with people who have an audience and values match. Or entering into a collab network where every single person is open to a collab. I know which one is more likely to make my goals happen. And I get it. You may not have even seen collab networks before. It's because I basically made it up. Um, However, there are other networks being created that are platform-specific, have major criteria to join, and some even take a percentage of your collab dollars. It's not a knock on how they've set them up. However, they are out of reach to the majority of creators and online business folks. So for example, there's um, HubSpot. They have a podcast and a YouTube network, and there's criterias of at least a certain amount of subscribers and at least uh, a certain amount of monthly downloads for your podcast. There is also the ConvertKit Creator Network. You have to have an email list of at least 10,000 people and a few other criteria as well. There's also SparkLoop, which uh, is, again, about email list swaps and stuff like that. And basically, you get paid to send people to their newsletter. You know, there will be more networks popping up. And the majority of them will have criteria around audience size. Because, again, that's what the mutually decided upon measure of success is in the online space. But I'm determined for people to be measured by more than the size of their email list, Instagram revenue, or podcast downloads. I'm interested in empowering value-centric collaborations, collabs we do in in service of both the collaborators and an audience match, not to be confused by size. Audience match means the folks within that group or community fit fit who the collaborator impacts with their work. And I get it. You may have done collabs that seem to be value-centric, however, they either A, lack the results you expected, or B, wasn't a good experience. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing is bulletproof. Um, However, I want to take a walk down memory lane and invite you to see how I've been able to secure not only results-oriented collabs, but have a ton of fun doing it. Collabs are not a fluke or trend. Heck, you can even see them on TV or the internet every single day or social media. When you take an Uber, you gain Hilton points toward your next stay. Lily Pulitzer, a resort wear brand, crashed Target's website with their collaboration. Nike designed a shoe based on their most popular flavor of ice cream, and they retail right now, if you go to the resale markets, for $3,000 a piece. Collabs are not a passing trend. This entire strategy is built on the beautiful principle that a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you're down to hear more about the wonderful and strategic magic of value-centric collaborations, then go ahead and plan to listen to the next episode. Uh, the next episode is titled The Three Parts to Successful and Enjoyable Right-Fit Collaborations. So you are not going to want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you continue on this six-episode journey with me. Thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram for daily advice or LinkedIn if that's more of your jam. Let me know if anything resonated with you by DMing me or tagging me in stories. 